Hi everyone, this is Living for the Weeknight, and on today's episode I will be with Alice from Sweden. So Alice is someone I met in Berlin during a music event, and I won't give away the story because we'll, we'll t- it's mentioned in the episode, you'll find out about it, but it's a cool story. And so Alice is a, D- is a DJ and aspiring producer who currently lives in Barcelona. She's actually recently been playing some pretty cool events, including the Brunch Electronic After Party in Barcelona, which I think was on the 17th of September. Uh, She played the after party for the event, which actually Amelie Lenz headlined, so that's pretty cool. And I think you guys are really going to like this episode. Like, Alice is someone who very openly talks about her journey through music and what led her to music, and she also gives a very open and honest account of like what it was like trying to achieve balance and how it impacted her mental health and happiness and I was honestly in awe during the interview just about how raw and open she was and I felt like there was a lot to learn a lot to take away from this episode so honestly it was such a pleasure to interview her and if you're not already um, I hate doing the plugs but if you can if you want to follow my Instagram if you're not already it's uh living weeknight, um or just typing living for the weeknight and I'm pretty sure it'll come up and I'd appreciate it because on Instagram I post a bit more about the episodes I not only provide updates but I also provide some stories and also like fun clips of things that didn't make the episode or outtakes um and I give any updates, such as I recently announced on my Instagram that I'll be making stickers and giving everyone free stickers if you want them. Uh, so feel free to give a follow. And once again, if you have any feedback, uh, just message me for Instagram and I'm more than happy to take it on board. So let's step into the episode. So hey, Alice, it's good, it's good to have you on the podcast. Uh, how are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. I'm here in Barcelona and the weather is really nice. Um, so yeah, I come from Spain. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's uh, I'm not in Barcelona. I'm in England, which is not bad. The weather's actually good here after the long, miserable English summer that I got to miss and be away for. Uh, the, the suns came out and now as true English people, we're complaining about how hot it is. All right. Yeah, it sounds fair. I think there's always a reason to complain about the weather. It's just English people. We it's not even the weather. We just like to complain. Like yeah. when I'm complaining, I'm getting joy out of that. It's a lot of fun. It it really is. It's a cheap fun. It's a cheap fun. Yeah. And given your given your Swedish, do you do you guys also like to complain? I honestly think that uh, Swedish people complain uh, very little about the weather. I think we talk a lot about it, but we don't really complain because we're like used to so many things. Um, mm. I think Spanish people tend to complain a little bit more, actually. Um, yeah, Spanish people love to complain. <laughs> I actually lived there for a year. Um, but I'll actually, that's a good segue for me to step in, to kind of step into it. Today I'm with Alice, and Alice is actually someone I met in Berlin. I don't want to say where, because I think it might sound pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Would it, would it sound pretentious if I said where we met? Uh, I don't think so. Um, no. Okay. So. Okay, I'll I'll say it anyway. Okay, so we went to an event called Reef, which was at Berghain in Berlin, and yeah, we met there at what must have been seven a.m. in the smoking <laughs> area. Um, I saw two people stretching and speaking Spanish first, and at first I was like, "Oh, they're stretching. That's really good of them." Like you don't see a lot of people stretching during raves because it's important. <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, they're speaking Spanish. I want to try and I want I always want to practice my Spanish." Um, 7 a.m. in Berghain, where the bass drowns out any form of sound, makes it really hard. Um, so that didn't go so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- yeah, that's how Alice and I met. And then we actually got talking, and it turns out Alice does some pretty cool stuff. So uh, tell me, Alice, who are you and what do you do? Um, well, thank you for that little background story. Um, and that's... Um actually a really nice thing about uh, the club scene in Berlin that I met a lot of really kind people that you actually want to talk to the next day as well, uh, which I think is a really good review for Berlin. Um, but yeah, uh, my name is Alice, um, but I actually go by the artist name Sylvia. 
and I'm a DJ and uh, I guess also aspiring producer who lives in Barcelona. Um, but I'm originally from Sweden, from Stockholm, and I've been in Barcelona the past uh, seven years, so pretty much my whole adult life. Um, and well, here I I play my gigs mostly here. Uh, and I'm mainly a techno DJ, but I also kind of venture into other genres every now and then. And um, kind of ha- what what brought you to Barcelona? Like, were you before you went to Barcelona? Were you already DJing and trying to produce music, or um, was it only once you'd moved to Barcelona that you went on this journey? Yeah, it was definitely once I came here because before I had um, studied classical music for. For many years, and uh, in Stockholm, that was pretty much my only relationship to to music. Um, and then I moved here because I always wanted to to leave Sweden as soon as possible. Uh, nothing wrong with Sweden, but it's also <laughs> it's quite small, and um, I think it's important to to get to know other places. And Barcelona kind of um, uh, seemed interesting to me because I had never been, and I liked the idea of moving somewhere. Um, where I don't know literally anyone, and also I was very fascinated by the by the architecture, uh, and I felt like well, I said it was beautiful, can't go that long, so yeah. Well, it's been seven years, so it couldn't have went that wrong. I uh, know exactly. Uh, it's difficult to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, and um, so you you mentioned how before you studied classical music. Um, would you say that's kind of how you got into music or how, has, has there always been kind of music in your family? Uh, I think honestly my my biggest influence from like an early age uh, was my mother because she had a lot of uh, vinyls and CDs with like 90s hip-hop and also some like 80s music and she was always like listening to this and being like this is music from, from your mom's golden age um, and early on, I really, really started liking hip hop. So I was always like, this was before um, computers were that advanced. So I was like, uh, taking my dad to the library and be like, hey, can we rent this CD with this rapper? Um, and him reading like the titles of the songs, you know, like how rap songs are usually. And he was like, well, but don't get too influenced by this. Um, <laughs> so I think that hip hop was also like a very big part of my um musical upbringing but then i think i was around nine when i started this <clears throat> classical music uh, school in stockholm which is quite a special place and then um i was playing piano for many years and uh, had a pretty strict teacher uh, from russia and uh, um music was a very big part of my life every day and everybody that surrounded me as well with playing an instrument so so I think that definitely has uh, affected uh, the music I do now more than I even think. Nice, I like that. It's um, it's just it's your influences. It has to. It, it comes from somewhere. And um, would you would you say though, like being at a classical music school, was that something that kind of enhanced your love for music or changed it, or what was the feeling of like being there? I think it made music something natural to me, so something that's always there, always part of my relationships, always something that kind of ties everything together. So with my friends from school, you know, it was uh, normal that we were playing, we were having a break, and then somebody would say, okay, now so I have to go to my lesson, and we came to each other's concerts, um, and there was like, like, from Twin Peaks, there's always music in the air, it's like, something natural like something constant nice nice i like that and do you still play the piano no i don't at all at all can you can you still play it though no (laughs) um i'm scared to find out because i've dedicated so many hours of my life to playing the piano um but it's pretty much logistics i can't have a piano in my apartment i have a Right here, when I where I'm sitting, I have a I have a small piano, but it's just for MIDI or uh, yeah. for for Ableton. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I probably can't anymore. I could probably play something, but nice, nice. It's um like the piano is actually something I've always wanted to learn. I think because for me, it's just it feels like such a romantic in- instrument. There's like 
so many emotions you can portray through the piano. But I guess that's true for music in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. But there is something special about how tactile um, a regular instrument is, um, and how you create kind of a relationship with your with your instrument. Um, there's something, definitely something quite special in that, uh, and I think it compares a little bit to vinyl DJing uh, versus um, yeah, using CDJs, that it's way more tactile, like you're actually touching something, uh, you're struggling a little bit with it, how to get to know um, the instrument you're working with, and obviously like a laptop is not the same thing. It's not, it's, it's an interesting debate when we talk about kind of the advances with technology, because of course vinyl is so much harder to DJ on, um, but I always think about where do you kind of draw the line with how technology advances? Um, because even say if we talk about, I don't know, my regular office job, um, where what is it better to use technology with it or do I go back and use a notebook and pen? Like, do you kind of see what I mean in terms of like that? But it's that's, I know that's a very different case. And I kind of understand, you know, when some people talk about the difference in between CDJing and vinyl and... A lot of the people who got into the scene when it was only vinyl, um, they do talk about how much easier it is now. And I don't know, I guess it's true. Do you think so? Um, I always think about how how it's so difficult to know, like you said, where to draw the line. Because if I think about uh, softwares like Traktor or you know, uh, using your computer, using Sync, there is some sort of resistance within me. But then again, I remember, I, I imagine that's the same resistance, uh, vinyl only DJ will feel about CDJs. Uh, so I don't really have any good arguments for, for this feeling that I have that this is too easy. This is uh, cheating. This is not real DJing because in the end, I think you can, you know, um, you can probably use a variety of tools and make something great. And there's no really like a good reason for this kind of elitism. But in the end, who knows? In the future, maybe it will be even easier, and something will get lost. So I think we have to respect everything for what it is, um, and also support vinyl DJs and vinyl shops so they can keep existing. Yeah, because it's part of the culture, and it's where it's what's brought the music to being what it is. And it is it is super interesting because I don't know we might soon be in a future where music is produced by AI and uh, we have AI mixes. Who knows? We might have an AI DJ. Um, yeah. Kind of creepy, um, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see where it goes. But I think you're right. It's about showing respect, and I kind of do feel though when I go to events, I'm not thinking about okay if I see someone who's doing a vinyl early set. I, I, I feel like, wow, that's incredible to see them doing what they're doing, to see them getting all the vinyls out and just making decisions in the moment. Um, it's super cool um, and I'll appreciate it. But at the same time, when I see someone using, yes, a laptop or CDJs, if, was, if they've played me a set and I've enjoyed the music and I've enjoyed the journey they've taken me on, it's still an enjoyment. And if you're putting on a show for people to have a good time, I guess that's enough, right? Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, also the technique is easier with CDJs and it's even easier with a computer. But I think what separates a really good DJ from um, from just a person who knows the technique um, is definitely the kind of emotional ride you can take people on. Uh, and I think we all have had moments of hearing a DJ that maybe we really like, but we're not feeling that much. And other nights there's this like magic in the air, um, which I think is created with from the DJ, with the audience, with the venue, the lights, and I think that's kind of the real art form, like finding that sweet spot. Uh, it's so true, and I think you're right in that aspect. Like, there's it's never. I find so there's so many different factors that influence what kind of feeling I feel from a night. Like, say for example, I might hear the most amazing like set by a DJ. But if the crowd's off and the vibe's not there, it can really influence my feeling in the moment. Or if the sound system's bad, or if the lights are, I don't know, um, just triggering my eyes too much. Uh, 
it's it's interesting. And uh, yeah, before I turn this into uh, yet another episode where I talk about music too much because I love music, um, mm. I want I wanted to ask. So you moved to Barcelona and you got into DJing there. I recall you saying you were studying in Sweden before, like at university. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. And what were you doing at university? Uh, I was studying psychology, um, but with a uh, focus on neuroscience. Um, so that was um, two years ago now, uh, maybe three. Um, the pandemic has kind of altered my time perception, but somewhere around there. And so what I did was that I moved back to Sweden. Um, I had been doing music, but I was pretty much a bedroom DJ. Um, and those were also like the only circumstances the pandemic allowed. So I knew I was really passionate about music. I knew I had a really good thing going here with, um, you know, my friends, my community here in Barcelona. Uh, but I also didn't see it as like a viable option to actually live from it. There was no like evidence in my surroundings that like I could live off this, you know, I was DJing at home. It didn't feel like something that's like, I can give up my, um, like a potential future job for this, you know? So I was like, okay, so, um, I should probably wrap it up here. I'll move back to Sweden where they have this really good university for exactly this type of psychology. And, um, you know, I will keep doing music, but kind of like, you know, after I'm done with my studies. Um, so that was um, pretty much like um, two, three months, maybe a little bit more before I was moving, um, the restrictions started to to let them up and there was a ton of underground parties being organized, which was a really good moment for, for beginners uh, having their first couple of gigs. Um, because it was a very unpretentious and very like, um, you know, everybody who, who knows something can take a shot at it. And it was a really interesting time and I started gigging a lot and I felt like, yeah, this is, this is going pretty well. I'm getting to know a lot of people. Um, but I was so pretty determined that I will go back to Sweden. I will study. Um, so I moved back, but I started traveling uh, quite often to Barcelona for gigs. Um, I started, I became part of a collective uh, called No Tags. And, you know, I was traveling at least once per month. Um, and my life in Sweden was really nice when it comes to the studies, but it's a pretty big step from having lived so long in Barcelona, which is a super sociable sunny uh artistic city to to Stockholm Sweden which is quite uh square in many ways though very beautiful and very calm um so as the year kind of uh you know was ending my first year of university I decided to spend the summer in Barcelona um I had just gotten um contacted by an agency who wanted to represent me and I thought well okay I can be there for two months kind of see what happens um, and then I'll go back. And then um, I just realized that, wow, I am so much happier when I wake up in the morning, when I'm, you know, doing this uh, and when I'm here in Spain. And I felt like I was giving up a lot um, for my studies and that my studies were, they were pretty much giving me the security, which is something amazing and something that's definitely worth a lot. But I kind of felt like I was giving up too much in my other life and I wasn't really ready to let it go. So I decided to move back full time and now I'm really happy that I did that. Um, first, because I've had so many amazing experiences, but also because I think um, there is no right or wrong uh, when it comes to these kinds of dilemmas. Uh, but I do think that our body tells us a lot. So if you wake up in the morning and you feel happy, you feel excited about your life, you feel like you're really there you know, for your life, you're really active, you're really engaged in it, um, then I think that's the only kind of sign we can actually, you know, look out for if we're asking ourselves if we're making the right decision. That's so true it is. And I think a telling sign for me there was 
you said it's kind of like your it's more your studies were getting in the way of you being able to be involved with music and it shows that that's really what you wanted to do because otherwise you would have said ah yeah the DJing thing was getting in the way of my studies (laughs) and it's uh it's nice to hear that where you could kind of recognize that even though yes your studies can give you security if you're not feeling happy in the moment and excited with what you're doing then kind of what does it matter (laughs) like it's uh of course, I get I get the dilemma with people, but you got you kind of got to you got to listen to your body, as you said. You got to do what feels right. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we won't always be able to do what feels right. I mean, there will be times in life where maybe for some reason we have to sacrifice this um, this uh, you know joyful feeling for something uh, we need to do. Uh, I mean, in my case, for example. Um, I don't have like huge living costs. I don't have children and I can imagine that. I think that was also part of my decision that I thought, well, now is probably a good time to do something like this because I can't really come back in 10 years, maybe with even more responsibilities and be like, hey guys, you remember me? I I was a DJ who played a little bit after the pandemic, you know? It's kind of like when you have momentum and you have an opportunity, like, you know, to kind of go for it. Um, and that was, was what was right for me. And I guess there are so many different situations out there. I actually love that. It's so true with when you do have momentum and opportunity, it's, you can't really put it on hold. You kind of, you have to, you kind of have to run with it. Um, I actually wrote that down in my separate part of my notes uh, while I'm doing this interview in my personal notes to be like, when I have opportunity, run with it. So thank you. <laughs> I like that. Um, and and um, so, okay, so you you quit your studies, you went back to Barcelona, you were doing gigs and stuff. Uh, when you started out, were you able to survive um, from DJing or did you have to do another job? Uh, yeah, I actually immediately started working as a realtor when I came back. Um at a Swedish uh, firm um, because I definitely did not get enough money to, to live from the DJing. Um, and actually the first few months I had like a real dry spell, like uh, I had been away, uh, I wasn't getting like any good gigs um, and it was pretty frustrating and I was pretty worried and tense all the time and when I did have gigs I was way over analyzing and getting really nervous um, so I think that was like a really difficult time in my life because I knew I was letting go of um, very comfortable and also interesting path and I didn't get any like immediate response, um, which was, was saying like, you're doing the right thing, you know? Um, so it was pretty stressful at first. I remember like being kind of down, um, but then, um, yeah. It's interesting because sometimes I feel like our mindsets, I'm not the hashtag universe person, but sometimes I feel like if you change your mindset, also the opportunities kind of come because there was a, at some point I just started relaxing and thinking, well, you know, this is where I'm in my journey. Like I'm also not ready to get booked for a gig with five hundred thousand people, and you know, this is where I am right now, and I can't expect everything to always go well if I'm choosing this. I need to be able to handle the ups and downs with some sort of uh, equilibrium because otherwise I will get too caught up in in success or not success because there are no guarantees here so i started really really relaxing i didn't have like any reason to relax but i just came to that point and then um then the luck kind of turned and uh, really interesting things came up and i had the opportunity to really take um you know big steps forward and uh and yeah so I still try to keep that in mind, though, that it could happen again. Um, but you can't give up so easy, you know, like, you will have to kind of live with the ups and downs of it. It's it's true, and I guess there's always, uh, I, I guess for you especially after, you know, you'd quit your studies, you'd moved uh, to pursue this. It's sometimes it's your own perception 
can feel a lot worse than the reality, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I think um, we kind of do live in the society where you're told to do things faster, that there's a time limit, that there's this and that. But sometimes you have to let, I guess, time just go. Um, like there's a plethora for reasons of why things happen um, why they don't and I guess patience is important especially in music it seems yeah I, th- I do think that and I also do think that um, being impatient can actually take away a lot of the joy uh, and also make you a little bit entitled um, I think you really have to grow within your own sound and develop it and kind of um, let it take it's time because otherwise it's really difficult to enjoy the process if you're always thinking about like where you want to uh, be uh, and what i try to do is that i make sure i have fun when i when i do music when i, when I practice djing when i have gigs and um, it's obviously not always that easy but i really try to think like how can making music feel good today you know not like in one year when I will play there or when this will happen, like how can I make it fun today? Like what would be cool and fun to do today? And that's kind of my secret weapon when I start feeling like anxious, like, oh, I should be, you know, this should be progressing faster or I should be doing this. Then I'm like, no, you know, if I'm not enjoying it today, I'm not going to enjoy it later on either. Yeah, um, because that's kind of the separation is that you don't want it to kind of turn into something else where it feels more of your job to pay, to pay the bills rather than pursuing your passion exactly um but given so you so you were djing and you said you were talking about you had that nervousness at the start and things were a little bit slow but when things were kicking up and you were working at the same time how was it achieving balance uh like did you have to keep to a schedule how did i just want to kind of know how did you make it work um to be honest, I think I didn't make it work, um, but I really tried. Uh, I was working 40 hours per week, Monday to Friday. Um, That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and when I, it was like an office job. Um, well, I was a realtor, so I had like viewings and I was at the office. And honestly, I was so, so, so tired when I came home every day. And the last thing I wanted to do was to do anything productive at all. So that made me actually start feeling like music was like a chore, you know, it was something I had to do, it was something on my to-do list, because if I don't do this, then why am I here? Why did I quit my studies? So I was in that loop of like being at my job, not feeling like I was doing my best because, you know, I was kind of waiting for long to get home and do music and then doing music and feeling like I was really tired. And also I feel like Sometimes a full-time job can also kind of drain your creativity. And I've actually heard from other friends who have done similar things that even a part-time job kind of drains their creativity. And I do think there is a way of balancing it. I unfortunately was not able to find it. Maybe also the job wasn't really right for me. But... I was really trying so hard to make it work. I was like, I was going to therapy. I was like, you know, constantly looking for strategies, ways to organize my day, but it just like wouldn't, you know, work out. Um, so actually it all ended with the fact that I got pretty severe insomnia and I was pretty depressed and I had to, um, look for help. And, um, and then I was on a sick leave until I realized that, okay, uh, I can't really do this anymore. Um, I need to take a leap of faith here because this is not working out. Like I've really been trying. And yeah, I don't think that has to be everybody's experience. Um, I think it depends a lot on what your day job is. Um, and also maybe giving it a little bit more time. But for me, um, that was what happened. Yeah, and it's it's hard because we're all different people and there isn't really a you can't like there is self-help books that do help but there isn't kind of you read this text or you go do something and then everything's fixed and it works it's kind of like you have to almost get it wrong a bit faster and learn and learn from it um which makes it which makes it very difficult and like during that during that time when 
you were going to therapy and you were dealing with insomnia, did you find yourself that while you were off sick, you were still trying to create and trying to DJ? Or um, did you have to take a break from that as well? Well, actually, um, just when the sick leave started, I started getting way more bookings um, than I had before. So the good thing about getting booked for gigs is that it gives you a deadline. So it's kind of like, you know, if you're just like having this abstract idea of like, like if I would start uh, drawing, for example, I would say, okay, I have to draw a little bit every week, you know? Um, I think that's easier to kind of say, I'll do it tomorrow if you're kind of depressed and low. But if you have like, okay, on Saturday, I'm going to Madrid and I'm going to play, then it wakes you up somehow. So I think there was a pretty good timing there. Uh, I think it would definitely um, not have, have been as active if it wasn't for um, for these bookings. So they really like kept me going. And I say they kept me going until I actually started feeling better. Um, and when I was feeling better, I could work on my relationship uh, with having a routine, with um, being productive and all, you know, thoughts one can have about these things and finding the joy but also having discipline um but i had to really recreate that from 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 nothing um because i had been so frustrated with uh, that process before yeah and i can i can i can really imagine there um so would you say given the bookings actually were increasing and because you weren't at work which is, was that bringing you more happiness and in turn was that helping with your insomnia and um, your uh, depression? Yeah, 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 it really did. Um, I started feeling better, which was really nice um, because there's something about being depressed that makes you think like, okay, this is how I will feel for the rest of my life. Um, but I started feeling better, uh, I was motivated and it was also quite empowering for me to actually say, okay, there was a reason I was depressed, like, it wasn't working for me, this is not what I want to do, like, I want to dream a little bit bigger and fight a little bit harder to actually have a reality that I like waking up to. Um, so I think that was kind of empowering because before I felt more of like guilt, like, why am I not able to make this work? And then I started shifting towards like, this doesn't work for me, you know? Yeah, it's... It's, it is as you said it's it's telling you you were trying to achieve balance but at the end of the day you weren't you weren't it didn't actually give you the ability to pursue uh, music in the way you wanted to pursue it and I think it is it's actually a good thing that you were able to recognize that and separate and separate and say look it doesn't work for me why why should I be trying hard to do this other job at the same time if it's not bringing me joy and happiness and it seems like because now music is your career that you have found a way to make it work. And so would you say that was like a big pivotal changing moment for you in your music career? Um, yes, I would, I would say so. Um, it definitely wasn't like suddenly, you know, I'm rich of this, but it was definitely a shift. Uh, yeah, no, nothing dramatic happened. Like seeing from the outside, but for me, these, these like gigs I was getting and um, the shift was definitely something important. Um, and I mean, I'm not um, against the idea of having a job in the future, another job, a day job. Um, I think it definitely um, has a lot of perks. Like for example, uh, what we were talking about, you don't start mixing like your passion with what pays your rent um which takes off a little bit of the stress and also i think it's good if you do projects maybe you're more able to pay other artists and uh, graphic designers um and i'm also interested in a lot of other things so i think that there's nothing inherently bad in having a day job but rather i think we have to be very conscious of not playing it too safe and ending up feeling miserable but rather like find something which serves us, which works for us, um, and be very aware of our bodies, like how, how am I actually feeling, you know? Yeah, kind of a conscious effort, because it's it's not like you just go to, it's not like you're just living normally, and then all of a sudden you're depressed, it's a, 
it it kind of works with it's kind of like a I don't want to say progressive. I want to I'll try to find figure out another word, but you kind of know what I mean. It doesn't happen over one day. It's kind of very gradual. It's a day by day thing, but sometimes you don't notice it in the moment. And as you said, it's just important to recognize, I guess, the signs early on. Definitely. And for me, I don't know, I think there's a trap also in telling yourself, I should be able to do this, I should have energy to do this. Um, obviously, sometimes that's true. Sometimes we need to kind of, you know, um, find some energy and do stuff, you know, challenge ourselves. But sometimes I think that can be kind of a dangerous narrative um, because it makes us cross lines that maybe can end up being quite dangerous for our mental or physical health. Yeah, it's it's super true. And um, would you would you say then, since um, now because you've been able to give uh, everything for music, what's the impact been on your mental health and happiness since? Um, no, I've been feeling really grateful because I feel like I'm having the opportunity to do um, to live a life where every little part of my life, everything that makes up a life, is kind of aligned, and um, it feels very special because I've been used to having a part of my life which is really me and another part where maybe I have to kind of put on a mask and be somebody else. Um, so I feel super grateful and I think gratefulness is a very good like precursor to happiness. I think that um, I'm living like experiences which are really meaningful to me and I think and I hope that like when I look back to when I'm old I will think like yeah like being able to do something like that is definitely worth it like how even if it goes well even if it doesn't it's still a really really nice time in my life and i feel also very motivated and inspired which is uh, amazing and yeah i think i feel like i'm growing with the music i feel like um you know we're we're giving good energy to each other and kind of i think that also shows in a person and attracts other people who, who you know, are in a similar kind of space and yeah. Um I haven't been depressed since, so that's really nice. Doesn't mean I'm always uh <laughs> always happy, but uh I would still say uh the majority of my days are very nice. That's good and I think it's important as well to recognise it. Not not every day is not gonna be the best day of your life. Um right. it's and I think like a record, just being able to recognize you can have some days where you feel a bit low or a bit down and it's fine. It's okay. Um, but it's it's good to hear that your headspace has been a lot better um, since making the shift and giving it all for music. And would you say, would you say since then, have you found your like creativity has been burning? Have you been getting booked more? How's like your, how's your life in music been now as compared to before in that kind of aspect well i think it definitely goes in the right direction um but i think that also makes sense because i haven't been gigging for so long so i think it's probably um the first uh few years you you know you're constantly super excited when there's a new club contacting you or you go to another city um but yeah it's been it's been a really really nice uh year so this Sickly started when I was, uh, that was January, so I haven't been working since January. And uh, since then I've gotten um, going steadily upwards. And that has also made me believe more and more that this is actually something I could do. Uh, I'm not saying it will definitely work out because I don't know that, but I'm getting more and more evidence or response from, from, from the world, which is telling me that this is worth giving a go. Um, so it's been really fun. Uh, I mean, I'm still like always, I don't think it's imposter syndrome, but it's like, like kind of like, wow, I can't believe I'm going to do this. Like a few years ago, this could have been like a huge dream for me. And that feeling uh, is not negative. It's like, okay, like I have to step up to the occasion. Like I'm, I'm going to do this. And then when you actually do it and it goes well, and you see that you're more capable than you think, um, then I think, yeah, it's a really nice feeling. Um, it's, so, as yeah. you said before, it's gratefulness, just feeling good about where you are. And that does sound like such a lovely feeling to have. Yeah, definitely. And so so it's actually been pretty recent that you, you've went full-time with music then. You said January, right, of this year? Yeah, exactly. 
Well, and um, because it's because it might, I guess, in my head, because when you told me you you DJ, you're aspiring to produce. I for some reason assumed ah this person's been uh, doing it for like three or four years full time, um, because that was my perception I had. Because you seem really confident about what you're doing, you I can tell you love mu- you love music, um, so I just assumed you've been doing this for like so long full time. So it's actually cool to hear. It's like it's more of a recent thing, and now I bet there's quite a lot of exciting adventures for you to go on. Um, like it seems like it's a really good moment for you right now would you agree yeah for sure um i think i'm trying trying to really enjoy it and and kind of not think too much of um the future like being present but also like keeping a little bit like a heads up for like um challenges that can arise um and as you said now it's a really good moment but i mean I don't want to be cynical, but obviously there will be struggles also in the future. Uh, and um, obviously I've had to kind of uh, reevaluate my relationship to money. I have to be more conscious. I have to budget. Uh, but yeah, no, I've actually three or four years ago was pretty much when I started um, playing at home. And then I had my first gig ever. It must have been now. A little bit more than two years ago. Wow, that's that's really cool. That is it just kind of snowballed since there, and here and here you are. And I want to ask, like, is that do you kind of have any aspirations of where you want it to it to go, or are you just more trying to be in the moment? Um, no, I think I have, um, in a way, a pretty clear picture of where I wanted to go, and in a way, I'm pretty flexible. So, um, what I'm mostly working on right now is to to kind of leave the perfectionism and start releasing um, the music I produce. And um, then I would like to maybe find a way to also give back a little bit more to the community because there can be a kind of like individualistic um, reality for a lot of artists. And it would be nice to to find a way to become a part of a project or start my own project which which can give back a little bit more to the scene. And I would like to, um, I would like to keep gigging. I would like to keep gigging in new countries and cities. Um, but I would also like to build slowly and study and kind of, you know, feel like I deserve being where I am and kind of working on my sound. Uh, maybe that's not a very clear vision, but it, but it feels sort of clear to me. Like it's about like keeping my values, um, but also like progressing forward. Um, and yeah, if, if I'm lucky to have that opportunity, we'll see. That's actually a really nice way to sum it up, keeping your values but progressing forward. And to be honest, your your vision, it did sound clear. Like, um, And it's actually like brought some questions I had for you. Um, so you're, at the moment, you're aspiring and you're producing, you're producing music. How has like, that kind of journey been in terms of finding out what it is you want to produce and how long have you been producing music for? Uh, I have been producing for like um, a little bit too long uh, <laughs> because like <laughs> not in comparison to other people but like in comparison to um, my skill because I started producing before I started teaching and in the beginning I was making like experimental dub, uh, ambient noise kind of stuff and my dream was to have kind of like a live with this and I was working on that. But I was very, had a very different mindset back then. I was super eager for things to go well, I was super impatient, I was like um, getting so frustrated with myself when I sat down to produce because I was like well, this does not sound good. And I wasn't able to kind of enjoy that playful part. So I got really stressed about it. And then when DJing came into my life, um, it's um, it was kind of easier, I guess, to get kind of like an immediate um, feedback. And uh, it was way more like uh, rewarding, um, like instant gratification. Uh, whereas producing is like a, definitely a long, long journey. Um, so now um, 
the last year I've been kind of like getting back on the horse and um, and now I'm actually enjoying it and having fun and you know it's something I do without having to think about it it's like something fun um, so so yeah now I'm producing more techno tracks which is more similar to the style I, I DJ and I definitely have a lot of things I want to do but I think first and foremost I need to to give back to this joy and uh, really working on my on my craft and my skills and my technique and you know my my listening capabilities um, before I get like ahead of myself with all the things I would like to do one day. Yeah, it's it's true. It's like we can only do what we're capable of, even as much as we'd like to do everything at one go. Um, and would you say like did you ever go back to kind of like the old like music and sounds you produced or this time round have you just kind of started afresh? Um, I think definitely, I mean, I have done um, several courses uh, in music production and I've also had a private teacher. Um, so there's a lot ingrained in me uh, when I you know start with a new attitude now. Um, from then, and I'm still influenced by, by kind of the more experimental genres, but also DJing has taught me new things about music and about how a track should sound and how it sounds, you know, at home and how it sounds at club. So I think there's definitely been, uh, it's been quite helpful to, to play music um, now when I'm producing. Would you, would you say with producing, have you ever kind of um, been in a situation where you're feeling a bit of creative block or you've had a day at the studio where you're just kind of, sitting and kind of not so sure what to do and how do you deal with that yeah that happens to me a lot uh it happens to me with everything i do i think and uh um i have a lot of strategies uh, one is uh, quantity over quality so yeah maybe in some days there will be nothing coming out of a production session but if I repeat the production session every day, then there's more probability that something will actually come out of it. Um, and then there's also like knowing when to give up, like knowing when to like, yeah, this is this is not good, like this is not gonna be good. So so you know, I'll leave it there. And then also working with other people, um, remembering like how much talent there is out there, and you know that it's really fun to just learn from others and be a part of this world and uh, not take yourself so seriously but i mean there like when i started dating for example um if something didn't go well i could start crying and like putting the pause and like leaving the room um so i definitely i'm definitely not a very uh i don't think i'm a really good learner i think i'm quite impatient but somehow it's worked out anyway yeah, it's got it's got it's got you here now. So it's progressed little by little with the with the steps, um, and I think as you said, it is important where it can be too easy. Like for myself with this project or any projects I'm pursuing, I I never pursue them for so long because there was that thing of oh I would try something I wouldn't be good at it because I don't know how to do everything because I just started out and then because the quality wasn't where I wanted it to be I'd kind of give up but you're right it's a process like I don't think every session is unproductive I think even if you're learning in the process that's part of the journey isn't it and it's important to kind of be realistic with that aim and I think you're I, I kind of agree with you with quantity over quality there because Sometimes you might go and do something and it might to you not be like the most technically qualitative piece of work you've done, but it might actually just come out really good. Like, have you ever heard of musicians saying before, sometimes their most popular tracks or their best things they've made have come out of like 10 minutes in the studio? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I've heard that. Have you heard that? I, I've heard it. I can't remember who from, but different podcasts, music podcasts I've listened to or interviews where I'll dig out an example for you later. I'll send you an example later, but there are like some incredibly like famous songs that are made, uh, like really, really famous songs that apparently 
uh, have been like just made in like the space of 20 minutes of someone feeling like, oh, I don't feel like going to the studio, but I should. Then they go and they just make this thing out of nowhere, uh, which yeah, just goes to, which just goes to show. I think it could be a little too easy in our lives if we have to have all the boxes ticked before we do anything, because then you may never get anything done. Definitely, I also think that one of my first DJ gigs, um, I think it was my second, it was at a club that I function one. It was a three-hour set, and I had never played in a club. I had never uh, used um, the equipment that they had, the club standard equipment. I was not used to the way it sounds in a club. Um, and uh, I was so scared because a big part of like the Barcelona scene was gonna there was gonna be there, and I was really scared the whole day. And then I went there, and it did not go well. Uh, it was not a good gig. It wasn't awful, but it wasn't it wasn't good either. Um, and I was suffering like through the whole three hours. Um, but honestly, I've never learned as much as you know I did that gig. Um, because in the end, if you're performing something, uh, you're always going to have to live with the fact that it could go wrong. Um, that's not fun for a social being. Um, but it definitely helped me to kind of like, okay, so this was pretty much the worst thing that could happen. And it happened and I survived and I got booked again at the same club. Um, they gave me some advice on like, hey, maybe you should um, uh, analyze your tracks in record box and you can come here and practice with this equipment if you want to. Like they were super encouraging. Um, and yeah, I think that was a really good life lesson um, for me. So it's like important to be able to take some humiliation every now and then, whether it's a gig or it's like you're sitting in your studio and you're doing something and you're like, what is this, you know? Yeah, and it's because this is the thing in kind of every occupation, you're not going to do everything perfectly, no matter if, I don't know, if you're an accountant, if you're a football player, if you're a musician, if you're a lawyer, you're not, nothing's, not everything's going to go right all the time. And I think it's good that you're able to take that experience and learn so much from it. And I guess it did show you that it wasn't the end of the world. It didn't kill your music career. And maybe that kind of has made your kind of life as a DJ and aspiring producer a lot easier since yeah definitely uh, maybe not easier but but um a little bit more humble maybe yeah um and given you've talked about now that was the, your worst moment what's been your best moment and your like I guess maybe your best your best moment as a DJ but then also your favorite place you've played um Honestly, I think um, there are many, um, but I, I would like to highlight two. Uh, one is from very, very early on in my DJing uh, days, um, where there was still like restrictions going on, uh, but you could organize smaller events um, in independent venues. And uh, me and a couple of friends got together and we organized an event in a uh, squatter house, if that's the correct <laughs> term. Yeah, that is. <laughs> um, and we were, you know, eight friends who are really, really good friends, and all of us are um, DJs or musicians. And we, I had never organized anything, but we kind of like went there, we had to clean the whole place, and then we organized like one hell of a party. Like it was really great, and I played like the set of my life, like probably if I would listen to it now, it would seem like really bad, but I was having like the time of my life. I felt like a superstar and all my friends were playing super well that night. And there was just like this really magical energy. And now when I look back at it, it feels really innocent and fun and definitely putting the community in the center of the individual. Um, most of these friends are also now, you know, doing moved on to bigger things, um, so we're all kind of more um, structured with everything, so I don't think we could actually make it happen again that way, it was very innocent. Um, and then I would definitely like to highlight a, a party that uh, 
it's a collective from Madrid called Face CTV, and they um, actually gave me the opportunity to play at an open decks. So I sent them a set and they booked me. And then they booked me again for a festival they organized and they put me on the main stage and I did the closing. And they have an amazing sound system, but most of all, they are a great group of people. Um, they really value musical quality, like they really know their stuff, but they're also pretty underground and they're very like respectful, like not so much about the hype, but yeah, I, I have a lot of good things to say about them. Um, but yeah, amazing sound system, amazing lineup. Um, I was posing after an artist called Yana Master, who's from Georgia, and um, I felt really, really happy to play there. I felt uh, the audience was amazing. So yeah, those are two kind of memories. I like that. I like that. It's um, I I I was just thinking right now of it's. I quite often find like my favorite kind of events to go to are when say the people who put on the parties or the labels promoters are more underground because it feels like they're more running with what they like and what sounds good because i think there is the other side to it where this these parties do they do cost money to put on so there's always a bit of a drawer of i've heard like i'm not sure if you've heard but i've heard from other people who dj that sometimes they're booked to play an event and they're told they need to play a certain style or sometimes even play certain tracks because of sponsorships and stuff um mm. like have you ever had to deal with that no i haven't um and i've also heard these stories i think maybe it doesn't happen a lot in, in spain um but but yeah i, I sometimes <laughs> when i played with bigger clubs i've been like dreading this a little bit like what if they tell me to play this style of music and i honestly don't know how i would um handle it so i will i will get back to you when it happens, or if it happens. <laughs> yeah have you um ever had that moment where someone's come up to you while you're playing in the set and they've asked you to play a song <laughs> um yeah uh, i was playing in sweden once um and somebody came up to me and said like can you play something that we can like sing along with uh <laughs> <laughs> i was like no um so that was the closest i've gotten yeah it sounds but i've also been that person when i was 18 moving to barcelona uh, my first weekend i went out to a club called apollo and i showed the dj like on my phone like can you please play this kid cutty track and <laughs> he just laughed i was like no <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, well when you're young we've all we've all been there um yeah. young 18 drunk and willing to make a fool of yourself <laughs> yeah um, another thing I wanted to ask you is because there's a lot of travel involved in your job. Uh, what's it like um, being booked to go to different countries and the travel aspect? Like, how is it for the enjoyment, and how do you find it with achieving balance with everything else, with kind of producing music and having a routine at home? Well, I think that um, I definitely am not um, like a huge international DJ, so I think. When this becomes something you do every weekend, that's um, a whole other level, and I think that must be really difficult. I think about that a lot. Um, but with a few experiences I've had, um, so now maybe it's like once per month I have to play somewhere else. Um, I think it's nice to see other places. It's definitely nice. Um, to be received as an artist and and um, getting away from the local scene, but I do miss. I like playing in Barcelona. I like when my friends are there. But also, people are so sweet, like all over the world. Like it's really nice to come somewhere you don't know anyone, but everybody shares the love of the music, and people are usually very encouraging and you know um, fun to talk to. And it's also really cool to to see other cities um, like traveling with work, you know, but in kind of unexpected way let's say one day if it really goes well and i've had to travel every weekend i do think that's definitely seems quite straining i don't know how people do it and also there's the whole climate aspect of it so yeah um you should definitely ask uh some really experienced dj about that because i'm curious as well yeah if um if i ever get to know one <laughs> <laughs> 
um, but um, uh, once you're once you're a superstar in a few years, you can you can tell me how it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and another thing I did want to ask you is um, so with kind of being booked and with releasing music, there is the whole social media aspect to it. There is, you know, promotion through Instagram or like TikTok or Facebook even still. Do people still use Facebook? I think people do, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But how do you, do you have to do a lot of social media stuff yourself as well? And kind of what do you think about it all? Um, I think I'm, kind of figuring out my relationship with social media where um i have some like resistance to this me 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 my gigs and you know uh but and at the same time you kind of have to do that thing um so now i'm doing like this weird combination of like not really wanting to be that person but also like a little bit being that person and i don't know um there's really like no coherency but I think for me, maybe it's one of these things that like you just have to do it. It's your CV, pretty much, it's your LinkedIn page. Um, and for me, it's about maybe posting things that like not spamming uh, and uh, being quite clear on like I will play here at this day and uh, sharing pictures from my life, but maybe not just the highlights, but rather like focus on the aesthetic appeal of like it doesn't just have to be me like putting a banner in front of an audience but you know more personal photos um kind of like um not going full on artist page uh but still kind of sharing my gigs and stuff like that but yeah i think i'm i'm figuring it out uh still and i think that it's definitely an interesting world um I don't know, um, can be pretty toxic as well, I think. Yeah, it's because I. it's just the age we live in where, of course, if you post stuff and it gets seen, then more people have seen, more people to, to discover you. But at the same time, social media can be very impactful on your mental health. So there's that balance. Um, I actually, I went to a festival in Portugal called uh, Sound Waves. Um, I think it was in July. And I spoke, I actually bumped into one of the DJs who was playing there. I'm not going to say who. (laughs) Um, And we were just talking about social media a bit. And they were telling me that during their set, there's always a part where their social media representatives like, okay, when you, uh, I want you to have like, you know, a minute or two of yourself dancing so we can put that on TikTok. And they were telling me that they like dancing when they're uh, DJing in general, uh, but sometimes they kind of don't like it when it feels a bit forced and they feel they have to do it to kind of make, I don't know, like a TikTok reel that's going to go viral. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think also there's, you know, a whole other world kind of in electronic music where I don't know if I should call it underground, but pretty much like a lot of people doing really good stuff, like high quality stuff, um, but that are maybe not so famous or maybe they're more you know, like this character in the local scene, which everybody knows there, but like, if you're not, you know, actually involved in that particular scene, you're not going to know of this person. And I think that it's like the whole business techno thing, uh, it seems to come with a lot of stress, obviously it comes with more resources, more, which means more freedom, or maybe the opportunity not to have to work in a regular job. But I think there's a whole other world there uh, where people are doing great events, uh, booking great artists, and releasing really good stuff, um, but that are not as controlled, you know, by by uh, big promoters and festivals. Um, I know people who are pretty low key who still live off music as well. Maybe organize events in their local city and they have releases and they have a label, but they're not like this person you would recognize on the street. Um, so I think. You have to kind of, you know, face situations as they as they come and be like, who do I want to be? Like, this comes with these pros and cons, and, and the other way it comes with, you know, others. So, yeah, it's like, what do you, what do you want from it? And I think you're totally right in that aspect. I think about my favorite DJs, my favorite producers. Um, a lot. Whenever people ask me, because you know, mm. I love drum and bass. When people tell me, oh, who do you like? I'll say all these names. They're mm. like, I don't know who that is, and. It's actually 
it does go to show like it is there are different ways for what you want from music and what makes you and what makes you happy from it you just kind of gotta figure out what it is for you and there what there isn't really a right answer or a wrong answer i guess yeah i think that's actually quite a nice way to finish the podcast um but before we say our goodbyes uh alice do you want to plug your stuff um yeah sure um I think you should all listen to my, my radio show on Pure by Sylvia, which is at a UK radio station called Vandalay, who are also really cool, um, really good uh, values and a lot of other good, good um, radio shows. Um, so that's something that's kind of like internationally available. And otherwise, follow my Instagram page, which is sylvia.flat. Uh, um, and there I post my gigs and uh, um, podcasts and releases. So, yeah. And is flat because that's about F L A C? Yes. Um, but no, it was lovely to have you on. I actually really liked that. It was quite a nice conversation. And it wasn't just us talking about niche aspects of music, it was more about your journey and what it means to you and where you are as a person. So I really liked that. That was super interesting and I'm actually excited to edit through it and listen to it again. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice. Um as always talking to you. Um we always kind of get into these interesting subjects. And you're very good at uh, you're a very good journalist. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Zero experience, but here I am. Doing <laughs> <laughs> it fine getting by um but now it's lovely to have you on and um yeah thanks for coming yeah thank you too